Before we get going with today's podcast, I just want to jump on here for a second and personally invite you to a one-off brand new masterclass that I am hosting on Thursday the 16th of May, how to scale your online business to six figures and beyond. So if you are a course creator, a membership owner or a coach, then this is for you. I'm sharing with you my most effective strategies to become the go-to person in your industry and grow your online business. I will cover how to build your audience, how to craft an irresistible offer and how to master your launch strategy so that you will know the most effective way to grow your audience and build your email list fast, know how to craft an offer that your audience will love and create a launch that fits with you and enables you to sell with ease. And why should you come and listen to me? Well, I started doing this almost 10 years ago and the very first client I worked with back in 2016 I helped him launch his very first membership he had a done-for-you product and a one-to-one product and we created a membership in his first launch he got a hundred and thirty members bringing him in about sixty thousand in income every year now He has built a suite of online products that is bringing him in way over six figures every single year. This is going to be an awesome masterclass. You're going to get so much good stuff to take away with you to be able to use in your business. So to grab your free place, go to TeresaHeathWearing.com forward slash masterclass and I will see you there. Hello and welcome to Your Dream Business podcast. I'm your host as always, Teresa HeathWearing. So As you know, if you're a long-term listener, I stopped doing interviews back in January and I've been doing solo episodes, which I've really enjoyed. But one of the nice things about not having to fill episodes with interviews is that when I get someone who asks or approaches me and says, can I be on the podcast? And I really want to speak to them. It's really lovely that I then get to just interview who I want. And it just happens to be a random interview, which I'm really excited about. So today, you're not just going to hear my voice for a change. You are also going to hear the voice of the amazing Kendall Summerhawk, who is here to talk to us about the sacred money archetypes, which if you know them, you'll know I really love them and I find them fascinating. Uh, So Kendall, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me here. I feel so honored and privileged and very special because you don't do that many interviews anymore. (laughs) I I, love it. As I said before, I just love your brand and what you're about and the richness and the depth and the quality of the training and information and transformation you bring. So I'm especially honored to be here today. Oh, thank you so, so much. So I used to, so we will do as I used to do. Uh, If you could start by explaining to my amazing audience who you are and how you got to do the thing that you do today. Yeah, that's like one of the toughest questions ever. I know. (laughs) (laughs) So I've actually been in business almost 23 years. It's incredible um, how long it's been. And um, what I am is, you know, we, we, we focus on, certified coach trainings. We have several certified coach trainings. We have the sacred money archetypes, 
that you mentioned. And then we also have the Money Breakthrough Business Coach Training. And really what I focus on, though, is my mission, which is to put the power of making money into every woman's hands. Mm -hmm. That is my whole mission and vision for and my why of what I do. And I focus on that. I, I, I focus on fulfilling that mission through the certification trainings, because I, as one person, can only work with so many people. And we used to do a lot of large group programs. You know, I've been in business so long. I've like done all the things, yeah. all the different ways of uh, modeling a coaching business. And through what I love about certification is that by me certifying other people on how to coach and specifically have to focus their niche on women entrepreneurs, it creates, uh, Teresa, this wonderful ripple effect for me to the women that I train as coaches. And then from there to the women and some men that they are working with through their coaching businesses. And we have, as we were saying, chatting just before we started here, I'm based in North America. I'm actually mm -hmm. in Tucson, Arizona, and we have approximately 50%. So half of our clientele over the last several years are all non-North American. Mm -hmm. They're in various parts, a lot in the UK, a lot in Australia, uh, Holland, Germany, and then other outlier countries. I just saw a post in our Sacred Money Archetypes group this morning from somebody who's in Romania and changing the lives of Romanian women and how mm -hmm. they relate and handle money. And it just, it gives me chills to think of how far reaching this work can be and not just far reaching from a global, uh, you know, physical standpoint, but far reaching. I mean, when you think of Romanian women and what they mm. endure and what their culture has been yeah. and the idea that we're changing, you know, generational, uh, we're making a generational change here for women with money and their daughters and their sons and mm -hmm. so on and so on. It's really pretty incredible. And it makes me feel um, very fortunate and very humble uh, to be doing what I do. I bet, but I just can't imagine how that feeling of, okay, so take me back of the time where you came up with this. Yeah. And did you ever in your wildest dreams imagine you would be saying what you've just said? I didn't, I did not imagine I would be saying it as comfortably as I am able to yeah. say it as naturally. And I got chill bumps as you know, we were talking <laughs> here, but um, so I don't take it lightly, believe me. So did I imagine... Yes and no. No, I never thought I'd be as comfortable in this, but I did have a vision. Like I remember a long time ago um, having a vision of having a room full of sacred money archetypes coaches. And I achieved that vision a number of years ago when we, we I did the large workshop model for a long time, made millions and millions and millions of dollars selling mm -hmm. coaching from the stage and certification training from the stage. And so, and I remember at one point being on stage, we had two or 300 people in the room had another three or 400 on live stream. And I remember thinking, wow, this is it. Like, yeah. this is the vision come to life. So, um, so that's why I say both yes and no to your yeah. question. But I think that, you know, a lot of people talk about gratitude and I know you do as well. And, and, you know, for me, it's about certainly gratitude, but it's also about appreciation. I'm a person of that was taught my whole family is like this to be deeply profoundly appreciative so i really appreciate that i've been able to have this impact and it, it keeps me humble plus i have horses i ride dressage i have these wonderful spanish horses most of them have been imported from spain that i've imported them and they also keep me very very humble 
I love it. That is the thing, isn't it? It's like, so one minute, you know, speaking in front of thousands of people, having all these people go through your certification and then mucking out the horses. Right. I actually have to confess, I actually don't muck out the stalls. I haven't cleaned a stall in, I don't know, 15, (laughs) 20 years. But but I have, because I have full-time help seven days a week. However, I'm tacking up, cleaning feet, grooming. I love it. People say, oh, how much time do you spend writing? And it's like, oh, let me let me educate you here. Only when you when you ride, especially I ride dressage, so I'm which says a lot about me as a human being. <laughs> you know, very particular and detail oriented, perfectionist, and so on. But anyway, I say the amount of time you spend with your horse, the least amount of time is in the saddle. Most yep. of the time is in the care, and I adore it. My horses are literally 15, 20 feet out I my window that. here. I just adore taking care of the horses. But isn't that? you living the life that you're teaching other people and helping other people do like yeah you found something that you adore that you want to want to do and your business and what you've done has helped you achieve that life and spend that time doing that and and it's it's that and that lifestyle has helped me achieve the business because they're horses they're not motorcycles you can't just park them in the garage and let them collect dust for a while they need to be worked and 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 i do training with my horses every single day i do all kinds of different training with them not just riding but um and so the horses for me always come first and and my husband knows this he's he's unhappy about it but (laughs) he's like well he knows where he is on that on that ranking right no, he's 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 great and he helps with the horses a lot but um but the horses really help shape the business and the lifestyle which is why yeah. for example and i want to tie this into women and money and the archetypes it's why for example i don't do the big workshops anymore mm-hmm. there came up you know we did them for years and like i said i mean i've made i don't know i'd have to stop and count it up i've made tens and tens of millions of dollars mm-hmm. and um over the years and i i remember there was a point where, because we were doing six six to eight workshops a year. We would do two very large workshops right. that I would sell from the stage. And then we would do the fulfillment workshops. And I also taught certification live mm. once a year. So we did all these events at high-end hotels in different cities, mm. quite a few in Tucson, because Tucson is a destination with, yeah. you know, we had, we had a uh, sponsorship with the Ritz-Carlton here, for example, Sedona, we were talking mm-hmm. about earlier, different places. But anyway, I remember distinctly I, right before a, a big event, I was laying in bed and I was thinking about how many days per year I spend preparing mm-hmm. for workshops, traveling, being away or being in an airport. And unlike a lot of people, I really don't like to travel. Mm-hmm. Travel, I, I get airsick. I'm not an easy, it's not easy on me physically yeah. to travel. And so so I, I don't enjoy it. My husband would leave at the drop of the hat. You know, he'll mm-hmm. leave. If you have a cousin's nephew's brother <laughs> who's getting married in the UK and you invited him, he would be on a plane tomorrow <laughs> to attend. I love My husband it. loves, <laughs> loves event, family events and loves travel. But anyway, um, so I remember adding it up and thinking, you know what, this is, and it added up to like six or eight weeks a year. And while some people would have said, oh, well, you know, you make millions of dollars a year for, mm-hmm. you know, and I was working more than eight weeks, but those weeks yeah. were intensive. And I said, but this is not how I want to spend my life. I don't, yeah. this is not how I want to spend my time. And I decided to stop doing the big events and to really pivot and change the model of the business. Amazing. And that is absolutely the essence of what I teach. It's not about having a business that 
some guru someone has told you you've got to have it's not about hitting certain levels or having a certain team or whatever it's if you want that brilliant but it's about what you want and you deciding and like you said for some people my husband and I love travel but funnily enough I also love gardening and we've got we now grow a lot of veg and I just love it and we just did two and a half weeks in the states not that long ago and my main concern was I need to get back for the garden and we'd got someone in looking after it It was fine but I really missed it and then and then suddenly the thought was like oh well if I'm going to do this actually am I going to want to travel as much but but it's having that kind of option to choose that so let's and I think if I can if I can jump in really quickly because I think that there's a fine distinction here and this is so true for women I mean we're going to focus our conversation Mm. on women obviously here and that's what I love about your brand you don't just say Mm. have your dream business or dream lifestyle you really like I said earlier I think that you have a depth to your messaging Mm -hmm. uh, on that point that is um that is rare that I've rarely seen so I really want to commend you for that but I was what I was going to say is that I think that there's uh, each of us has to um, be very aware, have a great degree of self-awareness mm-hmm. uh, uh, to pinpoint the distinction between this is not for me yes. versus this is the challenge I need to step into. Yes. And those are two very different things. And so very, very quick example. So I can talk about speaking from the stage. I Like you put me in front of a room with hundreds of people. I own that stage. I own that room. I am fully in my confidence. But it wasn't always like that. I, In fact, I started my business teaching speaking skills because I had such intense fear of public speaking that my throat would literally close up and I literally could oh. not speak. So I, and I decided, and so that was a challenge that I could have said, well, I'm just not going to do that. But I, there was something inside me that said, no, I need to work through this. And it took me a lot of, a lot of work, a lot of work to get through this and not to get through that. Now it's totally fine. So I think it's important that we, in order to grow into our fullest and highest expression of ourselves, that we step into the challenge Mm. and we understand when it's a challenge versus that's just not for me at all, or that's not for me any longer. Yes. Yeah. And that is that's a challenge in itself but that is a such a good point to make because I think sometimes and I've seen it before with you know people that I've coached and the same with you I'm sure where you know someone saying to you I don't think this is for me and you're thinking no I think it might be I think you just yeah. maybe a little bit scared and you don't want to do it um, you gotta so, put yeah. your big girl pants on and- exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. so if someone's listening to this and hasn't heard about the sacred money archetypes can you explain what they are and how they work Sure. Um, so the sacred money archetypes, there are eight money archetypes in my system. Um, basically what I, here's my belief system. My belief is that, um, first of all, you're going to have a relationship with money for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And, um, for some people they go, bring it on. That's great. Or yes, I recognize that. Or are you kidding me? I'm not in it for the money. I'm not interested in the money. It's not, you know, it's not about the money, which is a form of spiritual snobbery, I call it. Um, so, but the truth is you will have a relationship with money for the rest of your life. I, I challenge somebody to go a day, even one day without thinking about money in some mm-hmm. way, shape or form. You know, we think about, it just comes into our life at all times. And so I believe that number one, I believe that making fabulous money is part of our spiritual path. And if you want, we can circle back and I can explain mm-hmm. why that is. Um, but I also believe that the, that we can use money as a catalyst, as a mirror, as, as a mirror for ourselves and the, the, the hurts, the traumas, the wounds that we carry, but also the, um, 
as, as a catalyst for us stepping into our highest potential and really aiming to fulfill that potential. So I believe there's this divine connection between each of us and money. And yet we need a way to define that and to shape that and to give, uh, yeah, to give it shape. And the sacred money archetypes do that. So there are eight archetypes. There's an assessment. We can give the link out to the quiz. Yeah. So there's a quiz so you don't have to really guess because um, <clears throat> sometimes it's surprising. Yeah, there's, a, yeah. there's two or three archetypes typically that people can be surprised that they are. So out of the eight, we pay attention to your top three. And we do that in order because we're human beings, we're complex creatures. And just one, you know, your, your top highest scoring archetype is usually the dominant one. But the next two highest scoring ones, they it creates a multidimensional um, <clears throat> explanation for who you are mm -hmm. as a person, not just with money, certainly with money and in your relationships with others, in the boundaries you set, in the way that you think of yourself. And I really believe that, you know, you asked earlier, am I surprised that I'm sitting here and able to say these things? And the yes part of that is, well, actually the no part of that is because I I really, when I really came into this system that was truly divinely downloaded, um, it the, every year that goes by that I give myself more and more permission to step fully into my top three archetypes, which are ruler, maverick, and accumulator, mm -hmm. the better my life is, the stronger and more confident I am as a human being, the more resilient I am, the more I'm able to handle things that come up that are opportunities and things that are disappointments, to be able to handle them with, with grace and, with, and really creating a, uh, a feeling of peace with money. Mm -hmm. As a ruler, maverick, and accumulator, finding peace with money is not an easy, you know, that's my journey and it's not an easy journey. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. That's a long explanation of the archetypes. <laughs> no, and I think it's so helpful. I did the archetypes, obviously. Uh -huh. And my number one was celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> so that's one of the ones I'm writing it down. That's one of the ones that can often surprise people. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that was true for you or not, or if it wasn't a surprise for you. Well, do you know what? In some ways, and it's funny, anybody that knows me, I have one of my mastermind group that uh, I teach in or I brought them together. I said to them, because I got them to do it as well, because I wanted to know what they were. Mm -hmm. And they said, uh, I said, I'm a celebrity. And they were like, yeah, no joke. Like, because it just everything about it was exactly who I am as a person and but what's interesting and I can't remember the name of it but the second one I am is the one that doesn't like to charge money for things the one that basically um I can't think what nurturer it's either connector it's either connector or nurturer I think it's the nurturer and it's like okay. well those two together do not seem like a good match oh but they okay. are yeah. <laughs> I'd love to hear your thoughts on it because the celebrity for me, the bits that I pulled out were and honestly being very honest and authentic that I am. It's so true. Like champagne, you know, life on a water budget, like that's what it can be. And I'm very generous. Like I will, yeah. you know, if I go out for dinner, then it's rare that people pay, which sometimes really does me not great because people just assume and then that's not great but like mm -hmm. I'll be super generous with people I like the nicer things in life you know I like traveling first class or business class or you know I really do like the nicer things and so for me all of that kind of made sense and actually when I've done stuff in my business I have a very high um level for myself in the sense of how I want my business to be and look and appear because you know 
I have high expectations for myself. So I want other people to see that high level. Um, and I do things like VIP retreats and everything has to be bigger and better and, and you know, more beautiful. <laughs> but then, like I said, when I looked at it, I was like, so basically I spend a lot of money to make things look beautiful. And, and some of the things of like, you know, I, I have been, I've said on the podcast, well, the money side of the business is the bit I dislike the most, as in crossing the, uh, dotting the I's and crossing the T's. That's the bit that I don't like, because I will see money in my account and go, oh, wonderful, let's do this. And then like just pay for something. So for me, that was a real learning curve in terms of like, okay, well, that's who I am, but how am I changing it? And then when I saw it attached with the other side of, oh, and you don't want to charge for anything either. Like, it, and I have made some changes since I found that I've actually increased the prices of everything I do because I realized that the level is up there and my and my service is up there, but I wasn't charging up there. And then what was super interesting is people weren't buying it because they didn't think it's like and I likened it to um, my husband and I went to Turkey on holiday and there were these uh, fake handbags, Louis Vuitton handbags. And he said to me, do you want to get because he knows I want a Louis Vuitton handbag. He said, hey, you could get one from here, joking. And I was like, I want a real Louis Vuitton handbag. And that's how I, that was kind of how I made sense of it in my head. When people saw me at a lower price, they were like, well, that's not going to be real, is it? We're not going to get properly, right. you know. And it, it was an aspirational thing that maybe people were at. Sorry, I've just thrown a load of stuff at you there, Kendall. <laughs> no, no, I believe me. This is this is my whole, this is why God put me on this planet in this lifetime was to coach women on money. So I, I, I hear all right. of it. Um, actually, what's really fascinating, you don't remember your third archetype by any chance, do you? No. It's not that important. I just was curious. No, can't that's remember. Okay. So the thing that's interesting about the celebrity and the nurture, we'll just geek out for half a minute here, is that both of them are very generous. They are both very generous archetypes. Okay. Um, and and love, it's not, of course you pay for everything going out to eat. How could you not with those two archetypes? Um, and the celebrity won't even think about it. It's like, well, no. yeah, you order yeah. the extra bottle of champagne and, oh, you you have a cousin visiting? Sure, they can come too mm -hmm. uh, and all that. The nurturer, um, the nurturer is actually quite, can be quite thrifty with money. The nurturer is very aware of money. The nurturer, though, in their generosity can sometimes get, can often get to a place of resentment because they give and give and give and they don't have good boundaries. So you're kind of, and that might not affect you as often because the celebrity doesn't really care. Yeah. So, you know, sure, yeah. you just give it away. They don't, they're, because they're, you, because the celebrity loves creating experiences for people. And so that's okay with you. So, I think that, and it's not a surprise that you don't like paying attention to the money mm -hmm. part of your business. And, and let me be really clear. I mean, I'm a ruler, maverick and accumulator. So I'm hyper-focused on money. I run my business with the, um, with the mechanical pencil and it used to be a calculator. Now it's just my phone, you know, so you, and, and like second and third grade math skills. Yeah, so, yeah. and I don't, my team knows, please don't send me a spreadsheet, please. Don't. <laughs> um, anyway, so you don't have to, you don't have to be a bookkeeper or anything like that. But what I was going to say is that for a, a celebrity and nurture, I think it's, um, I think it's having some, it's two things. It's having some uh, money processes that are automatic mm -hmm. because paying attention to them is not where you enjoy spending time. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't excite you and all that. And then when people aren't excited about it, they'll tend to put it off or they come into it with a um, less than positive attitude. Mm -hmm. So um, when I say automatic money process is automatic, for example, if 
uh, you did want to have some money saved. <laughs> and I realized like I'm enough of an accumulator that saving money for the sake of saving money. Oh, like it's super exciting. And oh, for you, you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but, but to have money, you know, we call it a sweep, you know, like a sweep account where it's, mm -hmm. where it's swept automatically from, from a uh, checking to a savings account. You don't even have to think about it. You don't have to do it out of sight, out of mind, and it's accumulating somewhere else. So mm -hmm. some things like that, that just make it easier for you so that you're not fighting yourself. And I think it's, um, you know, it's always back to a very basic thing, which is because um, <clears throat> you're the type of person that I'm going to make an, an assumption here. You can tell me how correct this is or not, that if you had lots and lots and lots of money, you might be inclined towards uh, charitable giving or mm -hmm. creating a foundation or creating a very big, high impact type of form of giving. And you're nodding your head and saying, yeah, I can yeah, see that that that's resonated for you. Yeah that would be yeah. something that down the line that's what I'd like to do and yeah and I remember sort of like I've just remembered as well romantic that was my third oh god okay I'm like a nightmare aren't I like no not a nightmare at all there are no bad combinations there are no bad archetypes I'm just laughing because you are a hell of a great person to hang out with <laughs> I'm gonna be like I yeah. want to come hang out with you because because you're about living life and enjoying it and, and, and including everybody and this and that <laughs> But it's I'm the so, total opposite. The, the, <laughs> seeing the change and being able to make some change. And yeah. it was what was interesting is when I started my business, and, and the guys listening to this, if they listen to the podcast for a while, will know this. I started my business as a single parent. And within a very short space of time, even though I had no other money coming in, so I had no additional money coming into the house from a partner because I was on my own. I had no money coming in from my parents or anywhere. I literally had to earn the money to run my house, pay the mortgage, run the car and all that sort of stuff. And within, so I started my business in the August and by the October, my daughter was in private school. And I remember friends saying to me and family at the time, they thought I had lost my mind. They were like, you've literally just left a well-paid job you've got a business that you don't know whether it's going to make you any money and you've made this commitment to pay for private school but the point was in my head it was like that's why I'm doing it and you know right. what's funny with the celebrity thinks well there's a part of me that obviously thinks the celebrity quite liked that my daughter went to private school absolutely the separate celebrity says bring it on what I just wrote down a word and I wrote down the word respect and so I think for for you it's that there, that it's about, because like I said before, saving money just for the sake of saving it, that's not going to be something you're going to want to do. It's not exciting for you. You're not going to see the point in it. But I think it's really for certain archetypes that there's, um, that it's a level of pay, of giving respect, love and respect to money. Yeah. And celebrating money. And, and for you who loves to live life beautifully and, you know, live life well, it's, it's taking things that you value, whatever your core values mm. are in life um, and applying those to money. Mm -hmm. And that's so often what people don't do. They separate out. They, they're like when they, they, the way they talk about money or think about money or what their actions show, how, what their values are around money. They're very different than what they would say their values are in life. Mm. And that's, that's a disconnect that is then it's always going to create some type of struggle now i think you are somebody who's always going to make money you're always going to land on your feet you're always going to have money around you um 
And so that's, you know, I think that's just who you are as a person and your archetypes really support you in that. And, you know, the word respect came up and there might be a a different word that you like better, but it's taking what your core values are in life and applying them to money. And and then to say, like your daughter being in in an expensive school, to saying, what are the things, what are the experiences, what are the things that I want to have in my life? And, and starting to, and just deciding on like one or two or three very basic, very primary, simple money habits mm-hmm. and putting energy into those money habits for the, the reason of those bigger things that you want and keeping it really simple. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does make total mm-hmm. sense. So can I ask a question? There's yeah. one thing that's super interesting, or I think it's interesting, you might go, well, that makes sense, is that my, as you said, my three money archetypes are all about having a wonderful, beautiful time. But I came from a very poor upbringing where we didn't have anything. Where are your archetypes being made up from? Because obviously there's money mindset and there's kind of the stories we tell ourselves around money, which we do get from our, you know, upbringing or what we've been around. Do so it would, in my head, it kind of makes no sense that I, or then maybe I rebelled completely and I've gone completely the other end. I actually, I, I, it's a great question, by the way. I actually think we're born with it. I really mm. do. I really mm. do. I think it's, um, and I got chills again, just saying yeah. that I think we're born with it. And then I think that our growing up, our environment and the, the, the messaging that we receive as children, um, react, you know, we, you know, starts to shape and influence mm-hmm. how we form our thoughts and feelings about money. And so, so for example, celebrity, a celebrity nurture romantic growing up without very much money, mm-hmm. what was that like for you? Mm-hmm. You know, when you, for, with you, as your adult self, when you look back, what do you see? Well, it's interesting is when I think back, I remember asking and wanting the things we couldn't have. I remember- there you go. I go. asked to go to private school like and my mum yep. thought I was mad and then I asked for elocution lessons and again my mum was like what planet are you on which again interestingly and and what we I find fascinating is I have two uh, sisters two older sisters and we're all very different and it was almost like and you were probably right it was probably something I was born with because what 11 year old goes actually I've looked at schools and this one's much better um but what that did to me was spur me on even more was I looked at that situation and went, I don't want this. I don't like this. I don't want to have to worry about money. I don't want to have to think of, you know, when we were like, it was choice of food and heating type poor. And, and I didn't, I don't ever want that. And I never wanted that for my child. So it was almost like, you know, and I always had the high expectations, but then I've always gone out and done the work for that, for those high expectations. So I kind of, you know, I don't mind that. But so that's fascinating. Whereas some of my, my sisters didn't do the same thing at all. They are different archetypes. Different. Yeah. Which is, is archetypes. So- or they didn't have, and, or they didn't have the strength of character mm. to allow their, um, what is authentic for them, their, mm. their archetypes to really come through. Whereas you did. Whereas you yeah. did, because you're right. What 11 year old is comparing schools and saying, yeah, I want that one because it's yeah. the better one. Yeah. And the thing is too, with celebrities, you know, celebrities and nurturers, they can be very hardworking. Yeah. Romantics, not a, quite as much, but that's okay. It's your third archetype, but it's, um, but the celebrity and the nurturer can be very, very hardworking. Yeah. Which I guess is, is the thing that helps you then live that lifestyle you want. 
So why is it so important specifically for women when it comes to the money conversation and understanding how we manage our money and how we show up with it and that sort of thing? So the first part, I guess I didn't hear the first Sorry. part of your question. Why is it so important specifically why is it so for women? Important? You know, so- oh my God. Okay. Let me think of how to answer this. There's like 10 answers. <laughs> um, <laughs> why is it so important? Um, because we don't, because we need to be autonomous with our money. So, uh, so let me catch my breath for a second, because this one, this is is easy and hard for me to answer because there's so many answers that I want to give. Um, so let me, let me focus in here. So the thing to understand is context. This is literally the first time in our entire planet's history, the entire history of us as a species, as human beings, the first time in my lifetime and your lifetime where women have the opportunity to vote, to own property, yeah. to have businesses, to make money like this. I mean, even, in, and I'm older than you are, but even in my lifetime, I have seen this tremendous mm. transformation. So, and my mom worked, she worked for herself. She was always self-employed. She was very successful as a hairdresser. And now she works with me in my business. She's amazing. amazing. And so I got, I got to grow up as a, as a little girl, you know, with an incredible role model mm. um, of, of somebody who was successful in business. She worked for herself. She didn't have lots of people working for her. That wasn't it. She's just very much herself. She's a very, very high accumulator. Actually, you give my mother a nickel and she'll save a quarter. I don't know how she does it. <laughs> Um, I'm sure you don't know either. No, I wouldn't have a clue. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so the thing is, this is the first time, you know, in our planet's history. So it's very new. I mean, the, the vote, you you got the vote earlier in the UK by a few years than we did in the United States. But we're just coming up on the, the 100th year anniversary of women even having the vote for crying out loud. Yeah, and so, and let's hope to God we don't get that taken away from us. Um, anyway, we won't yeah. go there. But, um, <laughs> but um so we're, it's very, very new. It's only been in the last, you know, 20 years. And really because of the internet and industries like the coaching industry, where there's an opportunity for women to make a lot of money, a lot of money. So that's only happened in the last 10, 15, 20 years. That's, that's very, very recent. So we're, women are new with this. They're mm-hmm. inexperienced. They don't necessarily have good role models. They haven't had good programming or conditioning growing up. There's still societal pressures for women to behave and act a certain way. Mm-hmm. So we have all these things happening. So now to go back to your question of why is it important to, change, yeah. to pay attention to money? Because this is our this is our next, you know, I'm a money feminist, actually, quite mm-hmm. a money feminist. This is our next um, place of um of being liberated, yeah. of truly being liberated, um, is through, is through money and learning how to, how to handle money, how to make money, how to keep money. You know, it's one thing to be able to make money and women are learning how to do that and doing quite well with that. It's another thing to have money, making money and having money are two very different things as, yeah. as you probably know. So, um, anyway, so I'll, I'll stop there. I could go on some more, but that's yeah. why. And because we don't, I'm going to say something really blunt, um, that I don't normally say in a podcast, so I'm just going to say it. It's women have got to stop prostituting themselves. Yeah. And I see a lot of women still staying in relationships that they don't because of because of money um, insecurity, uh, staying in or at jobs 
or staying in living situations or not going for their dreams because of money and security. And God damn it, I, I will not stand for that to happen. Yeah. I'm just passionate. I've been passionate about this since I was a little kid that women have money because money is power. Yeah. Money is freedom. Money is choice. Money is all those things. And those are mm -hmm. good things for women to have. And statistically, there's lots of studies about this, that when women have money compared to men, and I love men, but men's mm -hmm. relationship with money is very different than women's. Yeah. Um, and But statistically, when women have money, the things that they do with it, sure, they buy the Louis Vuitton bags. They mm -hmm. they treat themselves. I don't have those handbags. I have these very, very expensive horses. <laughs> you know, so we do our thing. But, yeah. but what women primarily do with money is they put shoes on their children's feet. Mm -hmm. They get they make sure their children are fed, which brings tears to my eyes that any kid would go hungry. And they put them in good schools. You know, they take mm -hmm. care of children and they take care of the community. That's what women do when they have yeah. money. And I think this is the thing that we are, we should be more educated about. We should be more educated about how soon in our history, like when I did a bit of research a while back about when a woman could have a bank account, when a woman could have a mortgage, it's insane. It is it's insane in so recent history. Like, So let me just interrupt very quickly. So my mom, who made great money, Growing yeah. up, I mean, it was the equivalent. I looked it up not too long ago. The, in, in today's dollars, U.S. dollars, it would be yeah. the equivalent of about two hundred thousand a year. So, yes. so that was a lot of money. I mean, it wasn't yeah. that number back then, but it was the equivalent of that. Yeah, yeah. So, and she had money saved because she's a high accumulator, yeah. and and we lived nicely but frugally. And um, she, we, she had a choice of sending my brother. I have a my brother is a year younger. She, uh, when I was about 11, she had a choice. She could either put money towards us going to college or she, we really, she, or we could move out of the neighborhood that we were in and move to a different part of town and create a very different lifestyle. And that was the choice she made. And I'm so grateful that she did that because then I got to have horses. I mean, it was, it was a complete 180 degrees. She couldn't get a mortgage. She, we built this very nice fancy house, but she could not get a mortgage. And so it's a little embarrassing to say, but I'm going to say it. So she ended up marrying my my stepfather, the man who became my stepfather briefly, because she because she was a uh, a single woman of childbearing years. She could not get the mortgage, so she married my stepfather when she really wanted to break up with him. Um, at the time, yeah. she married him so that she could get the mortgage. They didn't stay married very long, but which is fine. But but you like you said, you know, that's the truth in. Yeah. In not that long ago either and, and still today where people it's about who you're going as a woman it's like marry well you know because right. they're going to have the money and it's a case of staying with them because there's that security and if you don't you're not with them then what security have you got because you're not making your own money and right. I've heard before about the fact that it's proven that women give more back and you know actually that money circles a lot more when it goes to women and I think as women, we're taught that, you know, we shouldn't have money. We shouldn't want money. Money's dirty. Money's all these things. And the stuff, we had a saying, my parent, my mum had a saying, uh, fur coat, no knickers. That's, I don't know whether that translates. Fur coat, no knickers. So I get what it means. The fur coat, no, we call them underwear. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no panties. Yeah. Um, that was her saying. And that was something to be avoided. Yeah, because no that knickers? was someone who was pretending they okay. had money and they were important. And she was, ba I think what she was basically saying is they would have their fur coat, but they couldn't afford to put their own underwear on or yeah. whatever. Yeah. But everything. She's basically around... saying if you have money, you're not genuine. Yeah. 
like to be believed. You're not genuine. You're not honest. That that's underlying it. I mean, yeah. I hear that. Okay, what's the underlying messaging there? Yeah, and it is. It's that you're pretending or making out you're something you're not. And and I just think, for me, there is when I separated from my ex-husband and I ended up on my own and then decided to quit my well-paying job and start my own business which I joke I must have had a very early midlife crisis and but there's something so very reassuring that while I was single I'm now remarried but when I was single I made money and I kept my house running and my mortgage paid and my car running and the food in the fridge and my daughter at private school and I did all of that on my own and now I am very happily married and I adore my husband but the strength in my brain of knowing that if something happened I could do that again and I could manage on my own again is very empowering the, the... it's it's life-changing you're never you're ne you can never go back to being anybody else then that mm -hmm. just speaks when i say i always lead by saying money is power yeah. and you have that self-empowerment yeah if i to had know to if you had to absolutely you already have you still do it you make money yeah. in your business absolutely yeah. money is power money is choice money is freedom yeah. and we women need that we yeah. have we have a lot of things we have a lot of we have a lot of things to do in the in the world, ladies. Yes, we do. We do. We do. <laughs> There's so, a lot of good we can do, and we need money to do that. <laughs> so I'm super, super conscious of your time. But I want to ask you, what's your vision for the future of you and your business? Because you have achieved phenomenal things. So is it just, I'm going to put my feet up now and off you go, everybody. Or do you still have like a vision for for more things that you want to do? I definitely have a vision. That's such a fabulous question. I haven't been asked that before. Um, I so I absolutely have a vision. I have pivoted the business. We did a partial pivot. It's like if I look at it from the from the um, with the ability of hindsight. You know, you look yeah. back, and I remember Steve Jobs in this wonderful commencement speech at Stanford University. He said, "You're only able to connect the dots when you look backwards. You don't. You can't really connect the dots looking forward. You haven't done it yet." So when I look back, I see the pivot I did in 2016 away from the big workshops. I see the pivot I did then. I don't remember. You know, 2018-ish, something like that, away from group coaching programs to focus exclusively on certification which certification was always a part of my business. It has been a part for a very long time, but it was a small part, maybe 25% of the business at most. So that was a very, so I let go of, I mean, I let go of $2 million income stream uh -huh. um, making that pivot. And so there's been, you know, and then COVID happened and then, um, which didn't change a lot for me, but it changed my thinking about life and the brevity of life and the importance that we make such a difference. Yeah. So it really kind of brought that home. Um, so my vision, I, you know, I'm full, all feet in with certification, which I love. And I'm in the process now of fully pivoting into all, being, um, I, I bought the URL, the money coach school, you know, we will be branding that. So it's all about money coach training. I'm going to be starting yeah. a podcast, which I've talked about for years, I you know, see. the money coach school podcast. So it's all about money coaching and me primarily, it's primarily about me training people to be money coaches, mm -hmm. serving other women. And specifically for me, I care about women entrepreneurs. Yeah. I, I really believe in entrepreneurship. It's what I was raised. You know, my mom always told us, go, you have to work for yourself. She said three things. You need to work for yourself. You need to do something that's portable and you need to be creative. 
love it. I love it. <laughs> okay. That. And my brother works for me in my business. And, um, and so how the, many mums then would have said that to their children? It was like, constant. We got no. that messaging constantly. Um, so it was great. So when people yeah. say, why are you in business? Because my mother told me to. <laughs> That is amazing. So, so anyway, um, you know, my mother's my biggest champion and my husband is my next biggest champion. Um, so what I would say my vision is, is that is to work. We're, we're going to be creating a number of different smaller certifications. And it's to really have everybody come through Sacred Money Archetypes mm-hmm. certification training because you learn so much about yourself. And then you are equipped and trained to coach other women through their archetypes and through a series of exercises that make profound differences Mm-hmm. in their lives. And I just think if all of us help other women entrepreneurs, oh my gosh, the, oh. it, it, what an impact. The so stuff that's, we could create. That's it. Yeah. And I still have money goals. I mean, we, we've fully funded the retirement. We finished that, I think three years ago. And now it's like, okay, well, so I've been a, a little without a distinctive money goal because um, I'm not pulling into retirement yet. It's not for another 10 years, but, but um, so I still have money goals that I want to reach, yeah. you know, an amount per year that I haven't done yet that I go, okay, I want that. That That's sounds amazing. like fun and challenging. Yeah. And you still, and I think my husband said to me, cause my husband used to be in the military and now he has a, he retired from the military, has another very good job with Boeing. So he has another pension. So he already has one pension, a very good one. Oh. And he has a second pension and he keeps joking with me. Well, I need to have this second pension because you don't have one. Because obviously that isn't He's something I've organised. Because it's not. Yay. Yeah, so he's like, and I said, I, don't, I, won't, wait, I won't need one. He's like, what do you mean? I said, I'll keep doing this. I love it. And he's like, what? So you're going to be in your 70s, still going on a Zoom call? Still I know, I wonder the same thing. I think, what am I? Am I going to be doing that? And I think <laughs> yes, because I love making money, and I think it gives it gives me purpose and drive. And I just want to say one thing really quickly too is that it's never too late. You know, it's easy to hear me say, "Oh, we're fully funded in our retirement," but I did that. I did that in a short number of years, but I I didn't start that until just a few years ago. Amazing. Just a few years ago, you know. So because I wasn't in a position earlier to do that, so it's never too late to start making money. I love it. Kendall, thank you so much. I knew that this would be wonderful and I've loved chatting with you, but I really appreciate you coming on. Where do you hang out the most? Where do you want people to come and say hi and find you? Oh, let's go to Instagram because I I don't do a lot. I'm often on there, but I love Instagram. I think it's a beautiful place to be. I love it. So let's go to Instagram. And I think it's just Kendall Summerhawk. I think it is. And and then we also have the quiz. If any of your listeners want to take the quiz. Yeah, we will add that to the show notes. Yeah, you can add that, put the URL to the show notes. Yeah, awesome. Kendall, thank Thank you so much. I've had so much fun and I hope you really enjoyed this episode. This week, like I said, it was a nice little unusual one for an interview. Uh, We'd love to know what you thought and I will see you next week.